Good morning. Morning. I join with Amanda in greeting our visitors today. Glad that you could be here with us, and I truly hope that you will make yourself at home with us this morning. Well, thank heavens we know how to laugh and how to breathe, for the December holidays are upon us. (laughs) Those among us today who have no special holiday obligations, no overlapping family and school schedules to deal with and out-of-town relatives' arrival schedules, no endless to-do lists, may find this anxiety entirely mysterious. But for the rest of us, (laughs) (laughs) December spells... It's almost cliche to note that the holiday season seems to creep earlier each year. It seems like every time I go to Starbucks, I hear people talking about that. But yet this year, I really think it's true. I have been awfully glad that Costco moved just up Georgia Avenue to Wheaton Mall. Now, we rarely go, but when I do, I get into what Jean says is my straight-ahead mode. I am on a mission. I plan my route to accomplish that mission, and I want to get out of the store as quickly as possible. Otherwise, you see, I get mesmerized by all those tantalizingly yummy little samples that seem to be everywhere, and I find myself circling back around and around in some (laughs) crazed pattern, hoping that the store associates won't remember that this is not my first trip (laughs) or my second. But I digress. Now, this past October, quite early on in the month, I took a wrong turn and found myself smack dab into the holiday seasonal section, where, incredibly enough, Halloween was still weeks away. The aisles were filled with bright outdoor light displays, giant packages of ribbons and bows, wrapping paper galore, Christmas stuff everywhere. And so I stood there, kind of frozen-like, trying to wrap my mind around this, and it dawns on me. Yes, this is how it rolls these days. Maybe early October isn't such a terrible idea. I'm always telling myself I should start earlier with all of this anyway. Yeah. (laughs) But I also notice that I'm feeling my heart racing a bit, and... All of a sudden, it seems like there's a whole lot that needs to be done. There are presents to buy, meals to plan, new decorations to consider, lists to check twice, flights to book to all the far-off places where our families live, and worries to manage that our flights won't be canceled, that they won't be late, that we won't be bumped, that our luggage will come with us to wherever we're going. And here I am in aisle five, noting that I'm somehow behind on a deadline I hadn't even remembered. Now, I have to say that there is so much about this season I love. The traditions, the music, the food, the people I really want to be with. But somehow, getting to those things that are most essential, most meaningful, takes some, some willpower, some concentration. With the ads that come at us from all different directions, telling us what we're supposed to, be, to think really matters. And it's easy to get caught up in it. Everything, everything is heightened in the holidays. Highs are higher, lows are lower. The December holidays, with their focus on family and intimacy, memory, generosity, goodwill, and peace, 
are a kind of cultural trigger serving to heat up whatever issues already exist in our families, estrangement, stressed interactions, tantrums. I'm talking about the adults now. (laughs) Guilt-mongering. And to call forth in us the coping mechanisms that are most familiar to us, however unsatisfying or unproductive they may be. Now, so for, for some of us, it is the best of times. And we want to relive them with those we love. But for others, our memories are not as sweet. We call up old stories. One person recalls a story, a sibling reminds another that, no, that was your bicycle that crashed into the tree. No, it was yours. Not all our memories are warm and candlelit. Challenging years when there was anger and bitterness in the house, maybe fear, Memories we don't come to gladly. Slowly, so slowly, we try to come to terms with those for whom we hold those feelings. We acknowledge that they were as they were, or maybe still are as they are, but that we can forgive them. All the sounds and smells, the lights, the laughter, the troubled, harsh words, all of this, all of these are part of our story. We remember the story of our lives again and again, reinterpreting and revising them in the light of new experiences. Ah, so now I see what happened. Oh, that's what my brother meant that Christmas morning when I was 13. The December holidays are especially challenging because sometime over the holidays, most of us will come together on the original stage where we first played out the drama of love, with characters as quirky and as flawed as we. And the question is, what is our intention when we do? How will we hold on to integrity when loaded comments are made? So here's a story someone, maybe it was you, one of you, shared about going into a Christmas dinner, genuinely looking forward to the people gathered round the table, people you'd known and loved your whole life. Now, you didn't have to guess who would be there for dinner. You know the cast of characters well. And the dinner was just trotting along so beautifully, easy small talk. Like, what about them Red Sox? Which was better, Hunger Games the book or Hunger Games the movie? And what about that beautiful story about the veteran in the paper this morning? And then, bam, Aunt Agnes asks, So, you're still single. (laughs) And she makes that face like she's eaten something bad. (laughs) And then, out of the kind of corner of your ear, if that's a phrase, you hear your brother Jerry, all the way down at the other end of the table, say something about those people. And you're wondering who those people are this time. Are those people ones who have a different skin color than his? Or maybe those people are gay or lesbian. He can't fathom bisexual or transgender. You brace yourself because you know what's coming, the familiar rant of us and them and those people. And words come up like work ethic and bootstraps. 
which leads grandma down the road of sin and salvation and values and that Norman Rockwell family warmth around the holiday table degenerates into a Salvador Dali remix. (laughs) Now the hardest part, you seem to be the only one noticing what's going on and you're incredulous. But what exactly are you incredulous about? People being themselves, exactly as they've always been, year after year. Why is it so hard to meet people where they are? Because we can't accept it, because we want them to be different. Mm. Surprise! They are still the same. (laughs) And surprise again, so are we. So here we are then, contemned to endless iterations of holiday dinners with relatives ending in despair, the feuds and the unfulfilled wishes for closeness that our nearest relationships should give us. Is all that is painful or unproductive simply the price of having and being with extended family? So on the one hand, it's probably useful to say, at least in part, yes. Yes, we are stuck being imperfect people, relating to other imperfect people, in the intensity of our mutual human needs for acceptance, understanding, and unconditional love. Our relationships will always be haunted by generational dynamics that we did not choose, but were born into. That feeling of stuckness, by the way, is often a clue. Haven't we had the same fight, the same crisis, the same hurt feelings, the same silence over and over before, and here we go again? Doesn't this particular uncle always drink too much? Doesn't this grandmother and grandson always get into an argument about the proper way to dress for the occasion? Doesn't this sister always end up crying about something? Breathe. Sometimes it's hard to notice that old brick and r- that old bre- broken record player you're carrying in your pack, back pocket. You know, the one that plays some family stories that just don't work anymore. The, the record gets stuck and it skips, repeats some of the same things over and over that we tell ourselves about what our family is like and how we have to relate and that things can't be any different. But every moment gives us an opportunity to break the record, to toss it out. Following up on our morning's meditation, and as Amanda asked, how can we revise in our minds our upcoming holidays? Are there ways in which, just ask yourself this, are there ways in which I can am present to the holidays that I would like to change this year? What do I expect of myself during these holidays? How would I like to celebrate in a different way? Now, This came to my attention about a week ago. Do you know that we think something like 85 thoughts a day and 95% of them we've thought before? I'm serious. (laughs) Oh, God, how boring. And research shows that. I'm sure. They're all just neurons. We just think the same thing over and over, tell ourselves the same stories over and over. Good God, what would I wouldn't give for new material? (laughs) Sometimes the dinner table conversation can steer toward religious differences, just like in our story this morning. But in actuality, what sounds like an argument about religion or salvation 
has nothing whatsoever to do with that. Just poor communication skills. Focusing on the intentions and ignoring the impact of our words. As when a well-meaning relative insists, I am not disrespecting you. I just don't want you to end up in hell. (laughs) Or maybe that stray comment about when was the last time you went to synagogue is really about layers upon layers of sibling rivalry. It may sound like it's a religious question, (laughs) but on a deeper level, the sisters are just like preteens competing for attention from mom and dad. Or maybe it's about parents feeling, fearing that they will lose you. Or maybe it's a genuine disagreement because for your grandfather, religion starts and ends with believing the right things. And he worries mightily and genuinely about saving your soul. So, where do we go from here? The good news about moments of heightened tension in relationships is that they are also moments of opportunity for change. One of the things that Christmas and actually all the December celebrations are about is the potential for and indeed the inevitability of change. The seemingly miraculous ways in which new possibilities enter the world. The light in the Hanukkah story you may have brought to your Hanukkah dinner this year that that should have flickered out after a few hours, burned steadily for eight days. The baby born in oppression and poverty grows into a teacher of unforgettable wisdom. Things are sometimes so much more than they seem. And even our most intractable relationships can shift toward wholeness and genuinely nourishing intimacy as we strive, even in very small ways, to bring our best to them. Not that we or our relatives will ever be perfect. They will not, and that's okay. We will not, and that's okay. But beyond the greeting card and Norman Rockwell fantasies, there is more love and trust and joy possible in most families than we usually know how to access. We each bring our histories of happy times and sad times, aware of those we are with and maybe most of all those we are not with this year. This is the season, most of all, when we can miss those who are now lost to us. We cope in different ways. Some of us make endless jokes. Some of us shed tears. Some of us throw ourselves into justice work or just get depressed and withdraw. And some of us throw ourselves into the frenzy of the season. Maybe you've already started a to-do list on your order of service this morning. Breathe. Somewhere I hope we land in between great joy and great sadness, and hopefully we get a little help from those around us. On some long-gone TV show, they had the concept of the bitterness hour for family get-togethers. All conversations that were starting to go off the rails were met by, whoops, wait for bitterness hour to talk about that. And the beauty was that the bitterness hour was a couple of hours after dinner when everyone was full, sleepy, and too sluggish to work up a good battle. (laughs) So you might want to revise that, I don't know, but I do offer you a few guidelines as you approach these holidays this month, gleaned primarily from posts over the years in the New Republic and the New Yorker. One, expect the expected. 
or expect nothing. <laughs> you had your life and everything you needed before you stepped into that gathering, and it will be waiting for you at the other side of it, too. Whatever happens in between doesn't change that fact. Two, when your mother or father-in-law, your, your child, your partner, your Aunt Gertie pushes your buttons, just notice, simply notice. Pull yourself up to a place of curiosity, as if it was a scientific experiment that you were monitoring. Watch things play out as if you were watching things from the balcony, unfolding as they might in a novel or an opera or a movie being projected on your screen. You are not the only theater where that film is showing. Hmm. There's a broad distribution. If your relatives spout provocative statements and don't get the hint or stop, say something like, Mom, our time together is so brief, and I hate for it to be used up talking about issues you know we don't agree on. Don't make the argument about whether they are right or wrong. They probably already know how you feel about their utter wrongness anyway. And the argument is about how they treat you and how you would like them to treat you. And that's a much easier conversation to have. Four, disarm some of the digs with kindness. This is hard sometimes. If someone asks, did you get a job yet? Smile sweetly and ask, how kind of you to ask? Do you know of someone who is hiring in my field? And if Uncle Dante won't put an end to his political rant, suggest he write a letter to the editor. And five, it's true that some relatives comment on issues of weight, style, or your unmarried status the way you are ra- and the way you are raising your kids. But try on the belief that most have no idea that they are being jerks. They might be jealous, they might be insecure, because a happy person gains nothing from causing another human being pain. Just smile, try a little kindness back, and march away. Assume that they are doing their best. Not all lives are easy. Sometimes relationships are not all what we had hoped for. Not all are pleasant and shining. Sometimes you even have to skip that holiday gathering. But then there's that pesky thing about relationships. Relationships are inescapable. As a wise teacher once said, never put anyone out of your heart. It's not natural. It's not good. It can be very challenging because relationships are indeed inescapable. It's possible to end end the day-to-day contact, but I think it's also possible to keep that someone in your heart. Mm -hmm. It's not impossible. Never put anyone out of your heart. And finally, there are some comments we can choose to simply ignore because countering with something of our own only makes it worse. But let's return to that story I I told at the beginning. Well, it turns out that this year, you could not allow your brother's annual diatribe about the poor and how he says that they're all on drugs and our welfare kings and queens and how he saw a beggar on the street drive off in a Mercedes. You couldn't let those comments ruin everyone's time one more year. Somewhere in between past the potatoes and dessert, your cousin stopped talking and simply stared at your brother aghast. 
Another looks as if she's about to cry, and you throw your napkin on the table, and you stand up. The room gets quiet. Jerry, every time you talk about this, about poor people, about minorities, about gay and lesbian people, about how immoral you see the country becoming, you say you're all about moral values and about family values. But would you like to hear about what I think is immoral? I know that the only sound is Aunt Agnes percolating the coffee in the kitchen at this point. It's immoral that a family of four has to sleep on the floor of a homeless shelter because they can't afford their own place to live. It's immoral that some children go to bed hungry while others drive their SUVs to high school. It's immoral that the young woman who made the clothes in Guatemala gets paid two pennies a day. And then you take in a deep breath. It's immoral to to deny the benefits of marriage to same-sex couples who are in a committed relationship. My family values value all kinds of families. My family values single persons and values single persons and persons who choose not to have children. My family values living not just for oneself alone, but also for the least powerful among us. My family values the inherent worth and dignity of every person, believing that all persons are inherently good, not irredeemably evil and in need of salvation. My family values mean that everyone, and I mean everyone, is welcome at this table. Now, your brother Jerry is red-faced but quiet, and Agnes comes in with a pumpkin pie, and your sister takes a big piece. The conversation shifts to a discussion about whether or not Ruth's pie could possibly be any better. And after a while, people start to drift on home. There are hugs all around, but your brother stiffens, and he can't make eye contact with you. And when you approach him, there's just only a few seconds when he relaxes into a hug. And he says, well, I'll see you at Easter. It's something sometimes hard to say, stay in integrity at the holidays, and it's that, sometimes that, that needs to happen. What is it that we seek in the month of December? I would bet that in the lovely meditation that Amanda led, a good number of you had some variation on this. You want to be loved and to be known. You want to be held and to hold. You want to bring joy and have joy be yours in the morning. You want to be acknowledged for who you are. You want to belong. Fulfillment at this time of year will not be found wrapped gorgeously under a tree, (laughs) nor will be found in the pursuit of the perfect family gathering. There really is no such thing. It will be found in the light of a child's eyes, in our ability to be kind to people we meet, for everyone is engaged in some kind of secret struggle. It's found in hearing as if for the first time those religious stories of the season and honoring their influence on our culture. In being in nature and noticing the lone cardinal on the branch covered with snow. The music. The stillness. In the company of family, both biological and chosen. And in the ability to feel gratitude for all that is our life. 
The winter holidays, in some sense, are days of reckoning, an open invitation to look hard and long at what has been placed in your hands, your life, and all that's in it. All the losses and longings that you never asked for and did not deserve, and also the gifts and kindnesses that you never asked for and could never earn. Joys and wonders so abundant and incessant that they can't be counted. So in closing, remember this. When the decorations have faded, the trees have been mulched, and the ornaments packed away for another year, we likely won't remember what dress we wore, what place setting adorned the table, the music that rang through, or how big the wreath was on the front door. We won't remember if we received holiday cards with glitter or shimmer. What we will remember is that someone cared enough to touch our lives with beauty. What we remember are the ways it felt to be cherished and loved. To hear the sound of a loved one's voice over the phone, to sing a childhood carol and cry a little, to touch the beautiful, to be shown some light in the midst of darkness, and to feel the warmth that protects from the chill. These things we will remember. And so we celebrate the turning of the earth toward light again, the return of the sun which sustains us. We celebrate revolutions of planets in their courses, of people in their struggles, like the unlikely, likely Maccabean insurrections of the oppressed against oppressors, like Nelson Mandela against his oppressors. And we celebrate revolutions which we have seen, which we have known in weary, jaded hearts ice-cold hearts that melt to life on hearing a trace of a song's refrain or recalling the fleeting aroma of a childhood recipe, an old ornament unwrapped for, or long-ago voices chanting long-ago blessings over long-extinguished candles and all these memories of love and longing. We celebrate the turning of our hearts toward love. Singer-songwriter Phil Oakes once wrote, All the pleasures of love will not be mine when I'm gone. There's nothing I can lose or I can gain when I'm gone. There's no place in this world where I'll belong when I'm gone. So I guess I'll have to do it while I'm here. Mm -hmm. In this season of celebration and being with family, may we work on our ability to let go of our opinions and desires about the way we think things ought to be. So often they are outside our control anyway. Let us simply derive joy and pleasure from the here and now, from being among those we love one more time, since none of us will know how many more opportunities we will have. And if we do do wind up getting what we truly want, let us savor that happiness for as long as possible. Thank you.